Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. Welcome to What's the Story, a short podcast from Light Reading, where we take a step back from the most significant topics in telecom to tell you the latest news, how we got here, what it all means, and what to expect next. Today, we're talking with Jeff Baumgartner about virtual multi-channel video programming distributors market, the competitive challenges that these VMVPDs face, new companies that are entering the market, and we'll also discuss what you can expect in 2022. Hi, I'm Kelsey Zeiser. I'm a senior editor at Light Reading. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, also a senior editor at Light Reading. Oh, look at us, senior editor squared. We're the same. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jeff, thanks for joining me on What's the Story? Um, I know you've been copying or You've been following uh, the virtual multi-channel video programming distributors. That is quite the mouthful. I know. We got to come up with something better than that. It's, <laughs> I hate typing it. it is, I, know. I, I get it wrong every time. You know, I, <laughs> Just copy and paste that. Redo it, yeah. <laughs> are, so are those essentially uh, kind of a subset of the streaming video group in terms of, uh, you know, they're focused more on, um, your standard TV channels, but available as a streaming service. Would that be a good way to kind of qualify them? Yeah, yeah. You kind of kind of think of them as you know, uh, being a service provider that uh, doesn't really have an access network, you know, into the right. house for the most part. You know, and it depends on the virtual MVPD. You know, I mean, some are leaning toward you know, kind of replicating the big bundle or. Or kind of getting caught in that trap, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, YouTube TV and Hulu's live TV and direct TV stream. You know, Fubo TV is more sports oriented, but they're not, they're definitely not a skinny bundle. And then mm-hmm. then you get into like the Sling TVs, Philos, and, and Friendly TVs that are uh, kind of in that skinny bundle group. Right. And so what are you seeing as some of the competitive challenges that they're facing right now? Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is uh, how do they keep pricing down as they add content or as these new, or if they need to renew their existing carriage deals. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. a big one. Another one you know, is keeping churn from getting out of hand. I mean, because most of these services, there's no contract. So, you know, people can come and go as they please. You know, they get drawn to these uh, free trials and then mm-hmm. leave, you know, and then being profitable. I mean, there's, you know, it's a, it's a very tough, like slim margin business mm-hmm. that doesn't really benefit from, or doesn't benefit at all, you know, from being able to attach like a high margin broadband service to it, you know, and, and, and uh, so they don't have that piece. And then customer acquisitions, another thing, you know, how do you get people's attention and get them to sign up and then keep them from leaving, you know, right. so again, that goes back to churn, but yeah, I think that there, you kind of, it kind of gets lost in there that the fact that these companies have to spend money to, to get people to, to come in and that it's not insignificant. Right. And, you know, at the time of this recording, I know that YouTube TV um, is in discussion with um, Disney about the Disney owned channels that they have on YouTube TV. Um, Mm -hmm. They might not, those may go away for customers. um, So we'll we'll kind of be watching that. But um, how much of a threat are those kind of uh, 
standoffs or discussions where, you know, one um, media group says, well, you know, we might raise our prices or uh, and, and all of a sudden you're losing all these high demand channels. Right. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely kind of a, a threat that kind of looms over all of them when, when you start getting close to these expirations where, you know, you run into the possibility of, of a blackout you know, or the services mm-hmm. coming off. And then again, because you're month to month, you know, people can be like, well, I'm leaving and, you know, I'm going to go over here for now. Maybe I'll come back later. But, uh, you know, it, it kind of puts the subscriber base in some jeopardy. Um, you know, and the deal we're talking about here, I mean, uh, is we're talking, you know, the deal is about to expire within hours. And so the clock <laughs> has been ticking. Um, you know, but I, quite honestly, I'll be very surprised if the Disney channels end up going dark, even if they can't reach like a new long-term deal right away. Um, I think they'll come up with something that'll keep everything up temporarily, you know, kind of short term while they continue to, to negotiate. You know, I think both sides want to get something done and why this is coming up now, or, you know, why these negotiations seem to be uh, getting to this point a lot more, uh, lately is because uh, like a service like YouTube TV or some of these other virtual MVPDs, you know, they struck the initial programming deals when they had no subscribers. So, you know, they may have been more willing to take a deal that may not be the most favorable one they mm-hmm. could get, but, you know, they needed to get these deals done to get a service stood up. And now they're, they're coming in with 4 million customers. So they're looking at the, uh, the rates and going, Hey, you know, we deserve a better rate. We now have right. 4 million customers. We're worth a lot more. Uh, but you know, obviously it's a little more complicated than that, but that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're kind of seeing these negotiations kind of come up against these deadlines sometimes. Yeah. As, as a customer, it is challenging because I, I imagine they're trying to be transparent, but I'll get these notifications on the TV that, you know, Mm-hmm. Call so like make a stink about this so that we can keep these channels and I'm like who do I need to call like what you need my help <laughs> well, <laughs> to get these channels no Instagram. <laughs> it's like we're seeing the same exact pattern that we've seen for decades, you know, mm-hmm. with traditional cable operators and programmers. Like when when you're getting near the deadline and everyone's like. So you know they're bad because you know they're doing this, and the other side's like, no, no, you know they're they're bad because you know we're only asking for this, and you yeah, know, all this testy <laughs> moments, you know, and, and you're getting these uh, switch, you know, you know, programmers are saying switch to another provider if right. you, know, you want to keep your your you know these channels, and then they get a deal done, mm-hmm. and then they're all just like. Oh yes, we're so you know. Then it's like this kumbaya moment, you know. It's like where was this two weeks ago? Right. Yeah. It's it's just very confusing as a, from the customer yeah. standpoint, and that happened recently where we were gonna lose the channel that I watch a lot, and mm-hmm. then the next day everything was solved, and it's like, oh well, I guess it's still here. Yeah. <laughs> so for um, getting me all flipped right. out. About it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, and I know you've also been covering uh friendly TV, which has a funny spelling. They're missing mm-hmm. um, most of the vowels <laughs> friendly, but uh, I, uh, yeah. so why is the only thing we've got. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd yeah. like to only buy one vowel, please. No. <laughs> uh, so 
also <laughs> they're approaching things a, a little differently than you know the YouTube TV or Hulu Live or Sling. Uh, what are your thoughts on their approach to streaming TV? Yeah, um, I mean it's definitely more of a niche play, right? I mean they they mm-hmm. do have some people from former Dish executives, so you know they're pretty familiar with how this market works, uh, <laughs> which. I think it is helpful because I think some kind of come into it and maybe are a little more naive than others in terms of what they can do uh, and, and still make money. But, um, you know, I, I think they kind of found this idea where, hey, we're going to focus on very family friendly programming, you know, no sports. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, broadcast, local broadcast channels that loop you into these like big bundles where it gets really expensive. Uh so uh, they're, they're still around like 30 plus channels starting at 6.99 a month uh, for, for like the very bare bones uh, part of the package. Uh, so definitely, you know, definitely a subsect section of the market um, that they, they're, they're targeting. Um, and it's a little bit different than even what we've seen from like, like a Philo, which is more mm-hmm. entertainment focused of a virtual MVPD. Yeah, what stood out to me, too, is that they seem to have a very wide demographic of 25 to 54. That's, mm-hmm. you know, seems like a very broad group um, and, you know, maybe some uh, differences in how tech savvy <laughs> some parts of that demographic are. And I'm just curious, uh, are, are they trying to target too many people? Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they're definitely. I think it, it's it's kind of attracted, yeah, kind of a wider gamut than you've seen with, with some of the other mm-hmm. virtual MVPDs. Maybe you know, you're going to get some, maybe some older people who have never cut the cord, or maybe have never had a pay TV service for for one reason or the other. But um, you know, at least right now, it, it feels like they've kind of found like a spot in the market where they can find. Some success, you know, by not trying to be uh, everything to everyone and mm-hmm. kind of getting caught in the trappings of, uh, you know, where the bundle gets a little out of hand, gets a lot more expensive and starts to price certain people out. Um, you know, and I think they have like more than 500,000 subscribers is what they confirmed. And uh, I mean, it's a lot more than I thought they were, they would have at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. not, they haven't been around that long and, and they claim to be... Um, profitable, which I think is a uh, pretty amazing achievement in its own right. Um, and then, you know, they just did this big deal with a Networks, which, you know, gets them uh, a lot more popular entertainment content that kind of appeals to this age group, I think. So it'll be interesting to kind of to see how that impacts, you know, the sub counts. I asked them about it, and uh, I think they're they're happy with what they've seen early on, but, you know, it's too early to know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and just when you mentioned the, the family friendly content made me think that maybe it's aimed toward uh, parents that perhaps don't want to go to the trouble of setting up a bunch of parental controls and just yeah. have one streaming service that they know is, um, you know, something that their kids can can watch and they don't have to worry about it too much. Um, so that that could be one option, I suppose. Yeah. So anything else, um, just with our couple minutes left, anything else that you're um, looking forward to, uh, you know, early next year in the MVPD market or, or that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, yeah, I guess one, you know, there's kind of a question 
in my mind, and, and it's probably in, in the minds of a lot of other people who are kind of trying to keep an eye on this market. And and that is, you know, is there is it big enough to kind of sustain all these players? Or are you going to mm. see someone drop out? You know, I mean, we saw Sony, you know, finally had enough of this business <laughs> and got got out of it and killed PlayStation View. Um, you know, and the question is, well, is somebody else going to do that because you know, they uh, aren't out of money or, you know, they, they just have had enough of this business and, and they have other parts of the business that they'd rather uh, focus on. But I think I'll, the other thing I'm going to keep an eye on is um, uh, kind of the role maybe they're going to play, even with the cable operators and uh, the other ISPs that are de-emphasizing or even getting out of pay TV. You know, you see a lot of them doing these marketing deals uh, that kind of pair up the service provider with the virtual MVPD and, and kind of provide this uh, option. Um, and I, I think it gives, you know, it's like win-win, you know, because, <laughs> because the the service operator has something that they can offer. The virtual MVPD gets some added exposure. Uh, the question is like, you know, how do you qualify quantify the win? Um, I'm, I'm just not sure if it's enough to kind of move the needle a lot on either side, but, uh, you know, at least they're, they're making an effort. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's just another, a different distribution opportunity, you know, for the virtual MVPDs that they can't get, you know, without that kind of partnership. Otherwise it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And that is, you know, the customer acquisition part of it and how challenging that is, you know, maybe this can help them out in that respect. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see how things shake out and if some of these players go away or if we get um, some new ones. So we'd love to hear from you again soon on how things are going there. And thanks for joining me, Jeff. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jeff, for taking the time to talk today. Thank you as well to our wonderful producer, Pierre Landrio, for making this episode be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more interviews and insights from the team. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.